Thanks to Gabby for supporting Don't Keep Your Day Job. Gabby.com is the free tool that compares insurance rates across top providers to find you the best rate for your exact coverage all in less than two minutes. Go to Gabby.com slash dream job. We're also supported by Figs. Figs is an amazing company that makes stylish and functional scrubs for people who deserve it most. Figs is offering you 15% off your first purchase by using our code dreamjob at wearfigs.com. Hey guys, it's Kathy Heller. Welcome back to another episode of Don't Keep Your Day Job. So I feel like I have the flu and um, it remains to be seen. Am I sick or is it just that I, I've been doing this juice cleanse, which is so good for me. Like I can feel myself healthier and the last three days, I just felt like I had more energy and yet it's day three and I feel like I have the flu. Um, but maybe it's just that's how you're supposed to feel. I'm not sure. Anyways, I will keep you posted. But um, I do feel like it's amazing how like I cut out junk over the last few days. And that's the right direction. That's all I can say. So I also want to tell you what we're going to do in today's episode. So in today's episode, I'm going to be sharing with you a part of a workshop I did with the Dream Ambassadors. And in this workshop, I was helping them figure out what is it that they want to do? Because I realized that a lot of you who are listening are not actually 100% crystal clear on what is the thing. You know, some of you might know that you're just feeling unfulfilled and you want something else. Or some of you might feel like you love to dance or you love pottery or you love writing, but you're still not sure, okay, but what is the thing about writing that I'm going to monetize? Or what's the thing about dance I'm going to monetize? So in last week's episode, I mentioned a few of the prompts from Julia Cameron's retreat, like writing down five imaginary lives you might want to have, or a letter from your eight-year-old self, or a letter from your 80-year-old self. And in this coaching call, you're going to hear a deeper dive into some of these ideas. And I'm also going to share some routes that you can take once you identify, okay, this is my passion. This is the thing. I think this is going to be helpful because I'm going to show you ways that we can actually make that into a living. I think that sometimes we're limited to thinking that we can only do it one or two ways, but there's so many other models for how we can make a living. And I did a giveaway on my Instagram last week where I said, you know, if you buy a book, you can enter this raffle and I'm going to give away a coaching session plus a gift card to Anthropology or Target. And so many people entered this and in the coaching program I'm doing and in the dream ambassadors and in the raffle, I could see how many people really want more coaching. And so I can't really believe I'm saying this because I am busy. I'm very, very busy right now. Um, my music program is starting and we're working on so much stuff for the book launch and just so much. But I feel called to say that Yeah, I'm going to put it out there. If you want to coach with me one-on-one, I might make room to do that with a few of you one-on-one. So you could DM me on Instagram and we can talk about uh, what that looks like and if I could help you. Because one of my strengths is really helping you ideate and go from, okay, this is what I think I want to do to like, okay, well, this is an actual idea that I can get 
off the ground and I can actually start to monetize this. So I hope that this episode is helpful to you and um, definitely reach out and let me know what you're thinking or what you need more of. I love to hear, you know, what do you want to hear episodes about? Or is there somebody that you want me to interview? You can post it in the Don't Keep Your Digital Facebook group. You can DM me on Instagram and let me know that. And I just want to let you know, like, I'm there for you. I, I'm rooting for you every step of the way. All right. So let's dive in and take a listen. All right. So I love this workshop. This is, I think, such important work to do. And we found out that 71% of our audience doesn't know exactly what they want to do. So that is what we're going to do today. We are going to really look at what is this thing? We're going to help you discover what you really want to be doing. And then we're going to look at what are the steps that you could take and how that might actually show up as a business. So are you with me? Are you ready to ask yourself some bigger questions and see what comes out from the pen? Yes? Okay. All right. So the first thing I want to say is that I think for so many of us, we've been busy listening to other people tell us what they want us to do or who they want us to be. And for so long, this has been the way it is. And so what happens is we sometimes, we forget what we really like and we, we lose a connection with, with our true self. And it's partly because we don't practice spending time with our inner eight-year-old. And we're going to talk about that. I think that every human being is creative and magical And I think that often there are so many things about us that we don't even discover because we don't give ourselves time to explore. I think that there's a lot of pressure to know who we are by 18 and we declare a major in college and we sort of set ourselves up to be just like everyone else and, and have an identity and stick with it right? For a long time. And then something happens. And maybe when you're 35, you're sitting at a concert and you don't know why, but you just start to cry. Or you're, you're talking to a friend at some point or reading a book and people call it a midlife crisis. And maybe a lot of that has to do with having left a big part of ourselves behind and not feeling like we're living life on our terms and that we're waking up every day really feeling like we recognize this person in the mirror. And I think that's really what everybody wants. I say all the time how people want to be seen the person you most want to be seen by is yourself, right? Like that's, that's really the person whose understanding and awareness you want most is you want to be known to yourself. You want to arrive at your own door every single day. So I'd like to spend a little time seeing if we can start to wake up a little bit to what's inside and what we want. But what comes with the path of creativity we open ourselves up to pain because we have to, we have to be vulnerable and we're making things and we are not sure, right? Is it this? Am I great at this? There's a lot of mediocre things we have to make before we make brilliant things. And Ira Glass talks about that. He says, there's always a gap. There's a gap between um, the moment when you know, I really want to write beautiful music and you can identify great songs. And there's a gap before you're able to actually write the kind of music that you would say that is brilliant. And it's the same thing with painting or with dance. There's that moment of, oh, I'm so frustrated because I have really good taste and I know I love this thing and I'm, I'm wishing that my thing could just right away be Mozart, that I could walk out on the stage and be Fred Astaire without understanding, right, that even Fred Astaire, you know, had many, many moments where he was on his way to becoming that. So 
the artistic path, we romanticize this a lot. And the creative path is something that we, we don't necessarily understand as being also a path of bravery and of courage. And, and it's because it's really you showing up in the world in an unbridled way. And so there's a reason you're not crazy and you're not alone. And everyone is feeling this, oh my gosh, I can't believe I'm doing this. It feels so scary. There's an imposter syndrome. And yet certain people do it anyway. Um, they, they dance with the fear and they do it anyway. And there's such a great reward for doing that because they do get better and they do discover more of who they are, which in and of itself is a gift. And eventually they figure out something that they love to make that the world also loves. And that's when we can turn our hobbies into a business. So I'm going to ask you some questions. We're going to do some writing here. So first of all, I want you to number your paper from one to five. And I want you to write down what would be five imaginary lives that you'd love to have? If you weren't thinking about the how or the practical, just what comes to mind when I say, what would be five imaginary lives? We'll start off with an easy one. That's a fun one to answer, isn't it? All of a sudden you're like, I didn't know I would really love to be a floral designer. I didn't know that I wish I could be illustrating children's books. That's so cool. So if you feel like humoring us, write it into the chat and I will read it out loud. A cheesemonger. I love it. A school owner, creator, a billionaire. I'm with you. Who wouldn't want just more of that? Because you could just have more freedom, right? A tour guide, scuba diver, and travel writer. So that's really helpful because those last three things go together. Songwriter, any genre, teach women, empower them financially, teach elder hustle classes, travel the world, mountain biking. Cool. Floral designers, jewelry designers, event planner, illustrator, beach landlord. Ah, doesn't that just feel so good just reading that stuff? I feel like I, if I really sit with this, sometimes I get emotional because I think about all of these beautiful dreams and how we have such precious hours and days and we should be and, and can be doing these things. And um, we're going to talk about why we're not and what's in the way. And it has to do with what we believe is possible. It has to do with strategy, what action we're taking, of course. And it has to do with fear and limiting beliefs because that's what's dictating what action we take and how we're even allowing for the synchronicity to come into our life for those events to all fall into place. Okay, so another assignment here for you. And this one is similar, but a little bit nuanced. I want you to number your paper one to 10. And I want you to finish the same sentence 10 times. If I didn't have to be perfect, I would try. Fill in the end of that sentence. So does anyone feel like sharing any of those things that came up? Amanda said, if I didn't have to be perfect, I would create a podcast. Wow. Well, you know what I think about that? Uh, Becky said, I launched my website on learning languages. I finished my book. I do retreats to Mexico and Portugal. Please do. That is awesome. Teresa said, I'd submit more music to accepting publishers. Beautiful. Michael said, I visit family more, create a different form of a concert, write my book, singing lessons, calligraphy, spend more me time for myself. 
That sounds really, really important, really, really good. So I mentioned this on the podcast last week. Um, In my book, chapter nine, there's a whole section on learning to restore and talking about how important it is to play and to do less, not just because it sounds good and healthy, but because that's where we literally find the ideas that's where the magic comes in. Have you ever had the experience where you're doing something for its own sake, not to be productive, not to make money. You're on a walk, you're on a run, you're hiking, you're on a trip somewhere. You're sitting by a clear, beautiful ocean in the Caribbean and you just get this idea like, God, you know what I'd love to do? I'd love to have those people over or or do a storytelling night at my house. Or, you know, it would be so fun is if I just took ukulele lessons. You know, you get these like whispers and these hits, this connection to yourself. And so I look at it like a scavenger hunt. I feel like our creative journey is laden with these little clues. And so we get this idea like, oh, maybe I'm going to go to so-and-so's book signing because I'm just intrigued. So you go to the book signing and then at the book signing, there's a little clue. Like um, maybe he mentions that if you want to follow in his footsteps down this path, there's a great workshop you could take. And you say, oh, well, I'll just do that next thing. And then you take the workshop and uh, somebody who's in the workshop with you encourages you and says, you know, something about the work you're doing and says, oh, you know, I'm, I'm working on this exhibit and um, we need another person. Would you want to be in it? And then you say, okay, it's another clue. And so then you go to the exhibit and you do that process. And through that course, that process, you meet a woman who says, oh, you know, every single month I have writers over and we give each other feedback on our work. And you say, oh, I guess I should do that, right? You just feel called to do that. And you do that. And then uh, that's sort of where it starts to gel or something like that. I think that's where the synchronicity comes in. And there's so much magic there that we, it's kind of this thing you have to trust. I know a lot of people get in their own way because they want to do something more fulfilling, but they want the entire path. They want you to hand it them. They want you to say, here's what's going to happen at four o'clock. You're going to post this thing on Instagram. You're going to use this hashtag. And about 30 minutes later, you're going to get 15,000 followers. And then from that, you're going to launch this exact product. You're going to launch it this way. And then you're going to sell it for this. And then what's going to happen is so-and-so is going to come along and Clive Davis is going to pick you out of a crowd. And they think that this is the way it needs to go, that unless you give them a prescription of how the events are going to unfold, they won't take the first step. And that's just not true because it is a spiritual path, right? And it's, it's about us sort of knowing which clues actually stand out and which clues are the ones you go, no, I, I guess that could be a clue, but it's not speaking to me. But then for some reason, this person says something, you go, I think that's the clue in this scene that I'm supposed to go follow that. And it, it leads you on this adventure to really arriving in a space where you feel like you are being more yourself. One of the biggest things here is giving ourselves the permission to play the permission to explore these inklings and to go all in with that exploration as scary as that is and see where that's going to lead us. Okay. So next assignment, I want to preface this by saying that when we were kids, when we were five and six and eight, we didn't have as hard of a time doing any of these things. The, the idea of self-care it was kind of silly because that was what we knew how to do best. And there was pain and there was struggle and there were challenges, but the default was knowing what we liked and knowing what we didn't like. So I want to get us all right now in this moment back in touch with that kid. 
And it makes my heart break a little bit when I think about how much time we've spent ignoring this kid and just like not giving this kid the time and how much of our life that child was kind of told to keep it down or um, save it for later. And we sort of move into adolescence and into adulthood learning from our models, from our parents and from their peers, that being a grown-up means whatever you like to do that brings you joy, you can do that when you retire. You can do that on the weekends. But if you want to be an adult, which now they're not just telling you to grow up, they're actually telling you that you're immature and there's something about you that's not being responsible if you're spending time doing what you love. Like you're really not cutting it right? So there's a lot of judgment there. And I I suspect that a lot of that judgment is because those people have had to push down for so long what they love, that there's such a threat to see somebody even assume, who are you to think that adulthood is about having fun? So then you're told, okay, there's something wrong with me, or I'm going to lose everything and I'll never pay the bills or I will be an embarrassment and a failure. Like I need to not follow these whispers and do what I love. The best, most practical thing is to get a job that's already been carved out at somebody's office, at somebody's corporation or some other thing and do this other road because that's what's practical. And the truth is that the data and the hard science shows that it's the least practical thing you can do because it actually makes you physically ill. Like if you want to be physically ill, you will not listen to your intuition. You will sit at your desk. They now say sitting is the new smoking. You know that? Um, And there's We'll talk about like practical, like it is the least practical thing to do to be happy, to live a long life, to affect other people positively, to throw away all of your joy and chuck all the whispers out the window and say, I'm going to be practical and I'm going to sacrifice my entire life and well-being so that I have just enough money to have a 401k and pay my health insurance. And might I add that we live in such an extraordinary time where it's even more readily possible because you don't need the record label. You don't need the publishing company. You don't need those tools because you have now these incredible ways to access human beings who can appreciate what you do. So we're going to talk about that. But we talked a lot about how this eight-year-old inside of you knows a lot and we haven't spent as much time with them as we need to. So I want you to take your pen right now I want you to write a letter to yourself from eight-year-old you. And I just want you to see what advice, what wisdom, what silly things that they have to share with you. Okay, so it's pretty neat doing that, huh? Does anyone feel like reading their letter? Oh, Becky, are you going to share it? So um, I, I, it's kind of like stream of thought, stream of conscious. So I'll just kind of share the gist I got out of it. I've always loved being around people of, of different cultures. I've always loved making people feel included. And I've always loved doing my own business. I mean, when I was little, I, I would start my own businesses on the side, you know, selling cookies or selling flowers or just whatever it was, because I, I always loved creating something. And, and just to remind myself, like, this is something I've had all my life that it's not, you know, something that's always been with me, but that I've kind of pushed down to stick to the nine to five. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, That's really, that's really good. I mean, I feel like that's just 
it gives you clarity, you know, it just reminds you of things that you really need to hear. Okay. So one more exercise. I want you to write a letter to yourself from the 80 year old you. What is you at 80 have to say to you? This is my favorite one to do because I feel like as soon as I ask myself that question, like what would the 80 year old me say to me? I just feel like I know all the answers, like all of a sudden, like everything becomes clear, everything gets put into perspective and I know what matters and I know what doesn't. And it's just like, wow. So does anyone feel like sharing that? What came up, what you got out of it? Deb, do you want to share? She's going to do it. Let's give her some encouragement. Um, Thank you for sharing. Hi, everyone. I wrote, Dear Debbie, well, we have done it. Stayed happy through all the trials and tribulations of life. Aren't you glad you followed your dreams of becoming a home stager and professional organizer? It has made you so fulfilled, joyful, and whole. Make sure you take this step so I can tell you. You were right. I love that. And I love all of those, those things that you <laughs> talked about. And I, I really can see you feeling so much joy and fulfillment from staging homes because that is one of the imaginary lives I'd love to have. That's exactly. really cool. Awesome. Um, does anyone else feel like sharing? Michael, you're going to share? All right. So you're Michael. You will make it this far. <laughs> and you've done a lot of cool things on the way. Or you will do a lot of cool things on the way. You will help over a thousand people make steps toward living the lives they want and make them smile along the way. Remember, for a fire to grow, you need to rest, step back, and fan the flame. Mm. God, that's so beautiful. You need to post that on Instagram. People need to hear that letter. I love that. Wow. I love that analogy about a fire. That makes so much sense. Okay. We have a few more things to cover, but first, let's just say a quick thanks to our sponsors. Maybe working in the medical field isn't your dream job, but we can all agree that nurses, doctors, dentists, and people who work in medicine and healthcare are pretty awesome. I mean, they pretty much brought us into the world, right? These incredible people dedicate their lives to caring for and serving others, and they 100% deserve to wear something that makes them feel good so they can perform at their best. Figs is an amazing company that is making scrubs stylish and functional for the people who deserve it most. They create the highest quality medical apparel, and what's really cool is that every time you shop at Figs, they give scrubs to healthcare providers that are in need around the world through their Threads for Threads initiative. In fact, to date, Figs has donated hundreds of thousands of sets in over 35 countries. And you guys, they don't just have those plain scrubs that we all think of on Grey's Anatomy. They have clothes that you could wear as everyday apparel. I got their underscrub t-shirt in khaki and their scrub pants in blue. And they're super comfy and really lightweight. And I wore them like three days in a row last week. They also have fun stuff like hoodies and socks and tote bags. So there's lots to choose from. So whether you're one of those awesome humans that works in healthcare or someone that just wants to say thanks to those deserving folks, Figs is going to make that easy by providing you with 15% off your first purchase by using my code DREAMJOB. Get ready to love your scrub. Head to wearfigs.com, W-E-A-R-F-I-G-S.com and enter my code DREAMJOB at checkout. Sometimes it feels like we pay way too much for a lot of things, but this is especially true when it comes to car insurance. And we don't even want to think about it because that means spending time to compare quotes, lots of tedious forms and spam calls. It's just a huge headache. But Gabby is changing all of that. And Gabby is this awesome free tool to help you with that insurance shopping. I went on their site and I was so impressed by how simple the process is. It only took about two minutes to enter my info and then they tell you, hey, look, 
there's hundreds of dollars you could be saving on your car insurance. Talk about great ROI, right? It's pretty amazing. Plus, you can tell their team cares because they'd send me messages like, hey, we just want to check in on you. If you have any questions, let us know. They definitely show up for their customer. And I think that's such an important component for any type of business. Gabby users save over $800 per year on average. And if they can't find you savings, they'll let you know so you can relax knowing that you do have the best rate out there. Plus, they never sell your info so you don't have to worry about all those annoying spam or robocalls. Get a better insurance. G-A-B-I, Gabby. Go to Gabby.com slash dream job and start saving money. No fees, no forms, and no spam. Take two minutes and see if you can save up to $865. It's two minutes. What do you have to lose? Go to Gabby.com slash dream job. Now that's G-A-B-I.com slash dream job. So now we're going to move into how do we figure out from this space of exploration, how do we figure out what to do with that? And so a couple things. Uh, first of all, before we, before we move into this next part, I would like you to think about making a commitment right now to yourself to do the things that you said you wanted to do more of. I want you to just look at what you wrote when you wrote five imaginary lives you would have. You wrote down things you would do if you didn't have to be perfect. You know, eight-year-old self spoke to you. Your 80-year-old self spoke to you. Can you just take a second and write down one action you might be able to take for each of those things that really stands out that you want to do more of. Like let's say travel writing comes up and so does building your online store. What's one action that you can write down that you could take? And it doesn't have to be open my online store. It could be research how a shopping cart app would work and how I could put that up or, or start to like make a Pinterest board of the things that I might want to sell. Or uh, travel writing could be just look at some travel writing, you know, like actually read other travel writers for a minute just to get inspired. Like one small action. Just write that down. So if you are looking at, okay, so I know now I'm getting more in touch with my inner eight-year-old. I'm going to spend more time playing. What the heck do I do with this? How do I make this into a business? So here's some great information. There are only, as far as I can tell, four archetypes of ways that you can actually monetize your business. And I don't know that everybody has ever sat down and looked at these ways. And most people, I tell this to them and they go, God, that's mind-blowing. So I've interviewed over 200 people for the podcast, and I've gotten to like really take a look at it. Like, Do they all fall into a few buckets, or are there like an unlimited amount of things? No, there's four buckets. I'm going to tell you right now how we know what those four buckets are, how we understand those. So a maker, it's pretty self-explanatory. If you're a creator, if you're a maker, that is, you are the person who most feels alive when you are sitting at the potter's wheel, when you are with an easel and you've got your paintbrush out, when you are writing a screenplay, dancing, like you want to make the thing. You want to be creating something all the time. Okay, so what's the next thing? Well, the next thing is also pretty self-explanatory. If you're a teacher, well, you might be the kind of person who says, I always loved playing piano, but I love teaching it. Like I love teaching kids. I love teaching adults or I love cooking, but I love teaching people how to cook. I'm just more alive. Like I could see, yeah, I'm good at it. I've always been good at it. But if I was in a kitchen with eight people and I could get their hands in the dough and show them how to make a croissant and watch it click and see that joy on their face, that to me is so much more enjoyable. So you could be a maker, but you could also be a person who wants to teach the thing that some people make. The third thing you might be like, that's not as self-explanatory. What's a curator? What does that mean? So a curator, there's a lot of curators out there. Curators are the people who say, I love 
chocolate. I want to curate um, an entire shop that sells all kinds of handmade chocolate. Or I love jewelry, but I don't want to make jewelry, but I want to buy it. I want to be around it. I want to gather that, you know, whether I'm creating a storefront or whether I am creating an evening. There's some people who love comedy and they're just not successful at it. You know, they're not just, they're just not great at it, but they love being around it. So they decide I'm going to open a comedy club or I'm going to produce comedy shows so I can be around comedy all the time. So they're not teaching it, but they are somehow helping to be around it and be a patron of it, right? And to support it. So then the last one is what I call an investigator. An investigator is the person who they love learning they could do that all day long. Like they could literally sit and just have conversations. I would say Ira Glass is a huge investigator. You know, he just wants to listen and, and talk about things. I think that um, Gretchen Rubin is an investigator. I think she went on this journey years ago of let's talk about happiness. And she's not a teacher, right? She doesn't teach at the Harvard School of Positive Psychology, but she really wants to know it. She wants to talk about it and she wants to get her hands in the conversation and read the research, which is slightly different than teaching it. Although, there's aspects of that that are, you know, teaching, right? But that's not exactly what it is. Okay. So investigator, I light up with that too. Like I love having a conversation about purpose. I love figuring out success. Now let's look at careers. Okay. So we want to really sit with those four definitions, which is why I write about them in the book. Because I think for most of us, we grew up with this idea like, Okay, either I have this like froofy artist life or I go sell insurance. Like we forget that there's all these ways to build and monetize a business. So what does it look like? Well, if you're a maker, then you want to look at how am I going to make things, which that has to do with finding the intersection of things you love making that your audience wants. So there's always, every single time we start looking at dollars, we start looking at commerce, we start looking at economics and business, you're going to need to find the empathy in your work. Absolutely. Like if it's a hobby, we don't need to worry about people. We don't need to deal with empathy. But if this is a business, we need to make sure we've got the empathy at the beginning of the business, which means I'm going to keep making things. I'm going to try different ways and different kinds of things I make until I find something that someone goes, I can buy that. I will pay you to make that, which means then that, that one work piece of work becomes the investor for me to get to be creative in my own time with things I just want, but I get to live and have financial freedom by doing this thing that I made that someone else wanted. And that's where for me, being a songwriter, I had to figure out what I like to make that someone else also wanted to pay me for. And the very best thing I could do was write music for McDonald's, was write music for television, was write music for trailers, because I knew there was a buyer there who, was not, who wouldn't drop $3 in my hat. They would give me $55,000. They would give me $100,000 to write a song if it was an end title, which allowed me financial freedom. And yet... I used all my free time then writing sad songs and it's all about me. It's fine because I have an investor who's my patron who's helping me, okay? So that's a maker. So I'm gonna try to be consistent trying different things until I figure out what feedback I get from around it so I can start to monetize that thing. Second, if I'm a teacher, so that's really been huge for me. Um, the funny thing is of all the things that I love, I've made the most money teaching. When I was writing music, I was doing great. So I was making $300,000 a year as a songwriter. 
And I will tell you that for every dollar I made as a maker, I made a thousand dollars for the people who wanted to know how I made money doing what I did. Okay. So for every person who would consume what you make as a maker, there will be a line around the block of people wanting to know how you do the thing. How'd you do it? Like teaching is huge, right? Because you're going to find some people who want to buy what you make, which is great. And let me just tell you, making $300,000 as a songwriter is so fantastic. But I've made seven figures a year teaching songwriters how to, how to write music for film and TV. A million plus. Isn't that crazy? Okay, so teaching is fantastic. And here's what's crazy. A million dollars from 500 humans in the entire world who wanted to learn that from me. Not from a list of 500,000, not from an Instagram. Before I had an Instagram, I didn't even have an audience. I didn't have a podcast, I had nothing. I was just a person who decided to create this offer of teaching because organically, so many people read these articles and said, how did you do that? And I can tell you story after story of people who've made a living teaching people how to do watercolor, teaching people how to make sourdough bread, and that turns into a fortune. So now, again, I don't want to be the person to say, you should choose to be a teacher because it's the thing that's going to make you the most money. Because I don't even think that that's true if you're not really meant to do it, right? I think I am naturally a teacher too, right? Like you can't just be like, I'll just teach, right? And I know some people who for, their, for, for them, they made the most money in their investigator role. I think, you know, Gretchen Rubin, her books, like she doesn't need to teach a class because look what she's done with her project, you know, happiness project books and all of that stuff. So let's not look at my particular road as like the absolute, but I will tell you, I think it gives you a general sense of a few pieces of a really important wisdom and, and data. So teaching, that would be an online class, a retreat, um, a class at your local community center, uploading a class to Udemy or Skillshare. Let them market it. Let them take care of it. $85,000 a year passive income, okay? So there's so much there. And I, since I'm much more entrepreneurial, would encourage people to make their own courses. And my sister went to Tish for theater and she's a really good actor. And I said, if you could get 15 kids to pay you 50 bucks for a class, for an acting class, which that's totally standard in LA. It's like $52 for my daughter to take gymnastics. I said, then... 15 kids paying you 50 bucks, that would be $750. So if you taught, if you taught two classes of 15 kids a week, that's $1,500 a week in two hours, which is $6,500 a month. So teaching, great. The next thing is curator. A curator, like I said, you pull together the poetry slam evening. You put together a storytelling night. You find an artist you love and you say, I love your graphic design and I have ideas about doing outreach and I'm going to start to reach out to different brands to see if we can get you a licensing deal and to see if they like your work and maybe they'll put it on their band-aids or put it on their shoes or put it on their mugs because a lot of artists make money that way. Uh, Just like I license my music to brands, artists can do that. So that would be a curator. Another curator could say like Mouth, um, um, is a is an online company that curates indie food makers. Like I make my own peanut butter, we make our own popcorn, we make our own caramel, we make our own goat cheese. Uh, and so Mouth put together this online store and what they did is said, we want to shine a light on indie makers in this country. They thought that would be really neat. And so they put out the call, like, do you live in Portland and do you make your own almonds? And they started to curate and taste. They went on a tasting mission, found tons of delicious things and started a big old beautiful website called Mouth. And 
they were the middleman, right? Like they became the middleman and they were able to make a living and grow this company to support all of these makers. Now that's a sort of a, an indie example, but then there's Etsy, right? Etsy was a genius idea of like, we'll create a website for you guys to come together and showcase your work and we'll get behind makers. And I mean, they're making billions, right? So these are different ideas of being a curator and that's a really exciting path because it's like, I think for some people, they think, well, if I can't do the thing, how will I ever be around it? Well, we just said, okay, you love comedy? Reach out to the comedians you love and put together a comedy showcase. So I think that's really exciting. And I have been a curator for the, since 2014 because I started an agency called Catch the Moon Music and I started representing other artists. Now we have like 65 artists and I have a team of a few people who help me rep those people. And I thought, why not? I already have the relationships with Netflix and Ogilvy and different ad agencies and brands. Why don't I just send along folders of other songs every so often and see if they like these artists. And sure enough, we started making those artists six figures a year. And that was really exciting and really fun. And then the last one is being an investigator, like we talked about before, and starting a podcast and starting a blog and and getting paid. Um, There's sponsorship opportunities. There's also ways that even if you don't have a single sponsor from a podcast, from a platform like a blog, you can do meetups. You can create networking evenings. You could be, let's say your podcast is all about moms, right? And learning first-time moms, how to be a better parent, or even not first-time moms, just parenting. Let's say you have a podcast on parenting. You might not have enough of an audience to sell sponsorship opportunities or market marketing stuff, but maybe you have an audience of 89 people and maybe you create an offer for, for them and maybe 15 of them decide to join it and you say, we're going to take this outside the podcast and every single month I'm going to bring an expert, somebody on sleep stuff, somebody on breastfeeding, somebody on whatever of different kinds of modalities and different kinds of expressions of, of how to parent and it's going to be $35 a month for you to be part of this program and you use your platform as a way to then create this. That's also being a little bit of a curator. But again, if if the topic is happiness and positivity, you know, can you just be paid to keep investigating it and having the conversation and delving into that topic more and more and more? And for some people, they never even aspire to have a podcast with 8 million downloads or 300,000 Instagram followers. They want to do this kind of investigation and just pull panelists together and every single month curate evenings where you're talking about different topics and you're having conversations about food and what we're putting in our bodies. And, and you're there on the panel asking questions. And for the investigator role, you don't even have to be the expert. You could be the person like Gretchen Rubin using her again as the example who says, I don't have the answers on happiness. And I don't need it. I'm going to go along with you, my reader, as a fellow person interested in understanding this answer. And therefore, I can get paid to just like ask the questions and pull together the research and share it with you, right? It's amazing. It's so fun. It's so cool. So I want you to think about which one of these things is starting to feel like that's me. That's the thing. Yes. I could see myself doing one of those things. This workshop today was going to be about helping you figure out what is this passion project. And so I wanted you to spend some time in your inner world. And then I wanted you to spend some time listening to what might be a possible path right? And that being the case, I want you to see what's, what, what's lighting up. And I would like you to take five minutes and not let the inspiration sort of float away, but write it down and just brainstorm out. I liked when she said this, I could see, oh, you know what? I actually think I may be this. And then are there three things or one thing that you could see 
being the thing that you want to now pour yourself into. Okay. I had so much fun today. Did you guys enjoy this? Okay. Awesome. Well, thank you for showing up for me. Thank you for showing up for yourself. Talk to you guys soon. Well, I hope that that was eye-opening in terms of what's possible. It really is doable. Here are some takeaways. Number one, every single one of us is creative and magical. We just need to give ourselves the space to explore. Number two, the person you most want to be seen by is yourself. You want to arrive at your own door every day. Number three, we have to open ourselves up to the pain of the gap in order to become great. Number four, give yourself permission to play and follow those inklings. Number five, we spent so much time ignoring our eight-year-old self. Don't wait until you retire to let the inner child free. Number six, for a fire to grow, you need to rest, step back, and fan the flame. And number seven, find the empathy in your work. Keep making different things until you find the things someone will need from you. All right, now some of your wins. So Kyler posted in our Facebook group and he said, Hi, I'm a vocal looping musician from Michigan, and I've been scared to tell my messy story for years. My win for this week is writing publicly about how my music emerged to help me regain purpose and fight depression after losing loved ones. It starts off with paraphrasing one of Kathy's favorite sayings, purpose is the opposite of depression. I'm blown away by the messages, comments, and real-life acknowledgments I've received about the post from old friends, new friends, family, coworkers, and people who walked by me performing and started following me on Instagram. So many kind souls stopped to tell me they were paying attention. After allowing myself to be seen, I feel lighter and I feel like I overcame the shame I carried for years. This was a great step for me. Thanks to Kathy and this group for the stories and loving support offered. Wow, that's such a beautiful win. And I'm so proud of you, Kyler. It's incredible what happens when you have this courage and you do this scared, vulnerable thing and you bear these parts of yourself. There's there's no shame in being imperfect. And I think by sharing your story, you give other people permission to embrace who they are. You guys, you can go read his story at ki5loops.com slash blog and go give him some love. Okay, the next one, Marina DM me on Instagram and she said, good morning, Kathy. I found your podcast about two months ago and I had to reach out and say thank you. I was let go from my internship doing marketing about a month ago. I was expecting it to turn full time, but they were unable to keep me. I was devastated, but listening to your podcast brings me hope and motivates me on the really rough days. You also inspired me to start painting again, a hobby I picked up a couple of years ago. Your Halloween special in 2017 gave me an ounce of insane courage to finally respond to a regular from a restaurant I worked at. They've been asking me to put up my work in galleries since I started painting. This was a couple weeks ago. I now have a meeting with the gallery owner this week. We'll have my art displayed at two local coffee shops this year. I've had a few people say they are interested in purchasing a painting and a couple people that have inquired about commission pieces. I've never experienced that this hobby would become something. I never experienced to make more than maybe a couple hundred dollars off each painting. The regular that got me into the gallery wants to price them at two to $3,000. It is still hard for me to wrap my head around, but every day I grow more confident about this and talk about it more. And I find more opportunities that I would never have found if it wasn't for you. So thank you. Gosh, Marina, this is incredible and so sweet. Thank you for sharing this. Look at what happens when you just allow yourself to say yes and you explore the opportunity. I cannot believe what's aligning for you. Please keep us posted because I know so many more incredible doors are going to swing open for you. Everyone go give her some love. She's on Instagram at sweet insanity 22 and her art is at scotch underscore and underscore canvas. 
If you have a win, we can celebrate. You can post it in our Don't Keep Your Day Job Facebook group, which is now over 11,000 strong. You can also DM me on Instagram at kathy.heller because I read and respond to all my DMs. Also, we just, just started a Don't Keep Your Day Job Instagram as well. You guys, if you're not already subscribed, please take a second to subscribe wherever you listen and go ahead wherever you listen, whether it's on Apple Podcasts, wherever it is, leave a review and a rating because it helps us a lot. If you like this episode or if there's any other episode that you like, then go ahead and take a second and really, truly, the best way you can support us and it costs nothing, share it with a friend. Maybe you'll give them a spark that they needed, you know, to go explore their inner child and get in touch with their creative self. It's amazing. It's amazing what magic can come when you help someone else find permission to follow that whisper and start doing what they love. I really thank you so much for listening. I have no doubt that you could be doing a million other things with your time. I also just want to let you know that um, my book is available for pre-order and um, we've now sold over 2,000 copies and we're starting to get the reviews in. And I'm so grateful that people are saying that this book is really touching them. Um, We have some advanced copies out and people seem to really love it. So go ahead and pre-order the book because I will be doing a giveaway on my Instagram every other week. And if you pre-order the book, then you'll be just in time uh, because you'll be able to enter the giveaway and say that you already pre-ordered. You can pre-order it at Amazon or Barnes and Noble or anywhere else that you can find books. I'm going to leave you with a song of mine as always, and I will talk to you on Monday.